Thanks for joining us today on the Women's Business Workshop podcast. This is your host and business coach, Robin Walker, helping female entrepreneurs and business owners like yourself to find more strategy and focus in your business so that you can reach your goals with less distraction and overwhelm. Welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. You are in for a treat today. Melina Palmer is here to talk all about pricing, a topic that you guys have all been asking for. Melina Palmer is CEO and podcast host for The Brainy Business, which has an audience in over 160 countries. A behavioral economist with a background in brand strategy, she helps people in all kinds of businesses more effectively communicate with the brain of their customer and understand and apply the psychology of why people buy. And Melina is going to be doing a session for us at the upcoming Lakeside Conference, and her session is called The Truth About Pricing. Melina, I am a longtime listener to your podcast, The Brainy Business. I love psychology and combining it with business just makes for such an intriguing conversation. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me and thanks for listening. Yes. So can we start with what is behavioral economics? Yes, that is, uh, I know it's a term that most people are not super familiar with, and it may sound a little bit intimidating, but I promise it's not as scary as maybe it sounds. So to take the, I guess, kind of like step back, you know, I was doing my undergrad in marketing and there was just this one little class that had a little bit about buyer psychology and why people do the things they do. And I thought it was just the most fascinating thing and spent, you know, 10 years trying to find programs that didn't exist yet. Cause I got in pretty early into the field, but essentially the reason that this field came about is because traditional economics assumes that the people are make are logical and making rational decisions in everything that they do every single day. And being that we're all humans, we know that that's not really the world that we live in. And so what you end up with is a lot of economic models that don't accurately predict behavior. They're predicting what people should do, but not what they actually do. And so over time, you had psychologists, uh, neuroscientists, and economists really entering into one another's fields or collaborating together on projects to do some research together and see if there were common threads or ways that we would be able to more accurately predict behavior and what people do instead of what they might want to do or things like that. And that is how behavioral economics was born. So it is a field based on science. And so behavioral economics is kind of a field underneath the bigger umbrella field of behavioral science. And it's about the psychology of why people buy decisions they make, uh, what they're going to do, and being able to predict using these rules of understanding what the brain actually does to be more accurate in um in the way that people make choices. So for us and what I do at the brainy business is I've taken this very, very academic field and helped to apply it for people in business. So you can then say, well, that's great. You know, what do I do? (laughs) Sort of what so many people I think have been doing. And that's, uh, you know, with the brainy business, I help people to understand how the brain works and ways you can actually apply it within your business to be more effective. And I love that your podcast takes a very sciencey <laughs> topic, 
but you make it easy for people who aren't very sciencey to understand. And I appreciate that because I know a lot of the terms uh, maybe I'm not familiar with, but you really have a nice way of giving very applicable action steps and, and ways to apply it in business. So I appreciate well, thank that. You. Thank you. I made the made the vow, you know, when I started the podcast, you know, knowing I don't want it to be just a boring lecture that you would have tuned out in school anyway. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> you know, I promise to the listeners, we're not going to talk standard deviation and P values and variance. Like <laughs> thank if you. you, yeah, if you want to talk about that, you know, send me an email, (laughs) sort of happy to do it, but you don't probably need that depth. So yeah, just making it very much what you need to know to be able to continue and up-level in your own business versus, you know, you're listening to the podcast because you're not at a level of this particular field that you want to go get a doctorate and work in a research lab. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, helping people just to be the best, you know, version of what they can create in their own respective fields. Sure. Were you real uh, science minded when you were a kid? (laughs) You know, sort of. I actually, so when I was a kid, there was no question, 100%. I was going to school. um, I'm a vocalist and I was, I did a lot of acting when I was a kid. And so I was going to go to school for musical theater and that was it. You know, I was going to be a performer. Yep. Yes. And so, um, that was the, the plan. And then when I was in high school, I was looking around and realizing everybody I knew that got a degree in music ended up teaching high school choir or was at their, um, you know, church or whatever. And I, while I appreciated my own music teachers, knowing that, um, that wasn't what I was interested in and basically made that choice that, you know, I could, always sing, (laughs) even Mm -hmm. if, you know, and have a different uh, degree. So I was actually pre-med for a little bit. And then I was like, well, maybe law and maybe I want to do this. I looked at psychology and ended up getting a business degree and kind of looped back around, I guess. Sure. (laughs) So you could still be doing TikTok singing about brain Yes. And behavioral economics. (laughs) Yes. There are often, um, it's, it's so funny. I'll be interviewed for stuff all the time. They, the comment that so many people make randomly is that like the, that I have the best voice for like for podcasting. I have a podcaster's voice and we joke, it's like the smooth jazz of behavioral (laughs) science. Right. (laughs) Right, right. And so, yeah, we'll say it's the vocal training that did that. So I work with a lot of female entrepreneurs, which I know, uh, you do as well. And I find pricing is just one of those parts in the process that we really get stuck on. I think there's so much overthinking when it comes to pricing, at least for me in my, I used to be a teacher. And so when I was ready to get hired, someone else decided this is what your services are worth financially. This is what the price tag that the industry is willing to pay. I didn't have to decide. I mean, you can decide, you know, Yes or no. Right? You want to go somewhere else, <laughs> yeah. but someone else decided that's what the market's willing to pay for your services. And then you switch to being an entrepreneur. And then all of a sudden you have to decide what you're worth. And I feel like that's so difficult for female entrepreneurs. Do you find that? Or do you have any input on that? Absolutely. And I would say it's more than just female entrepreneurs that struggle with this. I help global corporations with pricing and it's something that everyone really has questions about. 
the one thing I want to note before we really dig in on that, which I didn't talk about so much in the behavioral science piece, but is what, how the brain actually works and what's going on there. I think that foundation is really important for everybody, which is, you know, we think about our brains and if you were to stop and say, what does my brain do? Anything that you can come up with when you're thinking about thinking, you're aware that you're thinking, that is your conscious cognitive processing space. And because of the way our brains are wired, we like to think that that's all our brains are doing all the time. And even though, you know, you've heard you have subconscious and unconscious brain stuff, you think Meh, like not that big of a deal. But the highest study I've seen has put the subconscious processing in the brain at 99.999% of what your brain is doing at any given time. So (laughs) what you're aware of is just the tiniest little blip. And for all the naysayers of the world, the lowest studies put it at 95%. So it's still incredibly high of what's happening in the subconscious. It's faster This is our automatic processing. And it's more than just like a fight or flight response. It's also the habits. And so if you were to go, you know, tomorrow or, you know, tonight when you brush your teeth, do you think about which hand you use when you're going to brush your teeth or not? And you don't, but you will very likely use the same one every Mm -hmm. single time because it's a habit. And so much of what we do is decided by this subconscious using rules of thumb that it knows have worked for it in the past. The problem is it, the rules it applies aren't always actually in your best kind of logical interest because it's also trying to get brain chemicals and, uh, just make quick decisions. So those rules are those concepts of behavioral science that we use. So knowing that people are driven by scarcity and that makes us think that things are more valuable and that numbers have a really big impact on decisions that we make and that we're loss averse, all these concepts, and there are hundreds of them within the field, but that helps when we're creating messaging and looking of how we want to communicate with people. So. All that being said, when you sit down and think, I'm going to decide about my pricing now or building out products or whatever it is, what part of your brain do you think you're using when you're getting ready to do this tough work? It's your conscious brain that you're sitting and planning and thinking, well, people should think this and do this and value this. And they're going to ask about that. And what about this? But the way that everyone is buying is with that automatic subconscious brain. And so it's easy to get hung up kind of in our own stuff with our conscious brain. It likes the status quo because it wants that predictability for the rules of thumb to still work. That's how it's built. And so when you're looking at your own pricing, it's really easy to get into your own head and be worried about all these different things. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as I will talk about in that truth about pricing presentation, I have a formula, a framework that I use that I call, it's not about the cookie, which is essentially all the stuff that happens before the price matters more than the price itself. And I have, you know, five or six concepts that we'll really dig in on during that presentation to help understand some key things you can do before getting to that pricing to help make it much more effective, whatever the number happens to be. 
Okay. That's so interesting because I've been a part of so many conversations where it's, well, if it's 97, then they might think this. And if I do it at 297, then that doesn't match with this one. And I mean, there's so yes. much uh, like <laughs> over strategizing and overthinking on yes. that end of it. There is an action. So episode 17 of the podcast is unlocking the power of numbers, which is built off of the concept of framing, which is part of what we'll talk about in, uh, the, in that truth about pricing presentation. Um, but the thing about numbers and I answer this all the time, so it's easy to just put this one out here. If you're picking something that ends in a zero, that's best if you're doing, um, something that people are buying as a gift or that you want to be seen as a luxury item, anything that's under the zero whether it's a five, seven or nine, eight doesn't really matter, but know that it's going to trigger a discount mentality and thinking it's a deal. And that's going to reflect upon your brand in some way. And so thinking about, you know, studies had found people are more likely to want to buy a bottle of wine. That's, you know, $42 even than if they were buying, you know, 39 97 or something, sure. because you don't want to cheap out on wine. I mean, sometimes maybe, but especially if you're buying it as a gift. So that luxury piece makes a difference. And they took the same camera and in one way, you know, you advertise it and tell people you're buying this for school or for work. How much do you want to pay? And in the other context saying, you know, this is to go use on a vacation and go have fun with people wanted to pay more when it was for the vacation than when they were using it for work. Mm-hmm. even though it was exactly the same camera. And so that context makes a really big difference more than anything. So to like put the final sort of stopper sure. on, <laughs> if you're going to do the discount pricing, which is totally fine, just, I recommend always pick one, always end in nines, always end in sevens, always end in fives, whatever it is that works for sure. you and be consistent and know that it really doesn't matter that much, which one it is. It's just a uh, pick, whether you're a zero or you're a discounting price and go from there. I also don't really recommend going just above. So being a one, a two, a three feels a little bit nitpicky mm-hmm. pricing to say like, well, I paid an extra dollar for this. So you should too. <laughs> you know, what's so funny that you said that my son plays soccer and they have an option to do this tournament and the tournament each team it's $1,100. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why is it not just a thousand? Like, why do they have to add that extra hundred? Like they couldn't just have it as a thousand. <laughs> well, and I'm- in my mind was like, oh, come on, <laughs> like right. almost like they were being greedy by adding that extra hundred. Right. Well, and imagine if it was $1,172 and yeah, 56 cents or something like And even if it was 1200, I wouldn't have had the same feeling. I would have thought that it was intentional. Like that was the cost that it it took to do the tournament. Right. As you're getting closer to the next kind of midpoint, that 1500 Mm -hmm. or 1250, 1250 seems like a very reasonable number. We pay that on things, you know, whereas like you said, 1100, or if it was $1,050, like, no, that doesn't, that doesn't feel good. (laughs) No, like you can take the hit. Right. So you can be happier paying more and you don't even realize that right. it's having this difference on you. Um, but now that you can be aware of it and thinking about your own pricing, that if you can, you know, something you're wanting to promote and have look really good, 
you can have be at the 999 and maybe the version that's just above it is 1100 or, or whatever. And you go, Mm -hmm. well, why would I pay like, well, 999 looks great, you know, (laughs) compared to this other uh, piece. So definitely playing around with those numbers and just seeing kind of what your gut drives you to makes a real, real difference. The gut is kind of how we can talk about your subconscious in that way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I had a business friend that sold one product. They were these crochet hats back about 10 years ago. They're real popular for, for newborn babies. And she had three separate websites that all sold the same exact hat. She had a wholesale website where they were very cheap um, with one name and then a middle of the road suburban mom website with a middle price and then a luxury. So all the photos were just these gorgeous babies (laughs) all wearing the same hat, but just different marketing for each. And she sold the most of the expensive hat. Right. It was the exact same product. Absolutely. And that's, uh, so priming is what I call the scent of the cookies. It's the, that imagery, the words really triggering the senses can make a really big impact on buying decisions. And so being able to, when you see that, look at this little baby and you think, Oh my gosh, my baby's going to be that cute. Or my grandbaby's going to be that cute. Uh, And you're just totally bought in on everything there. It doesn't really matter how much it costs. It's right. But you want that to be what's what's here. And of course, you know, if they were $500 for a single hat, you know, maybe you sell a lot less, but (laughs) as long as it's in a, uh, but you know, there's a Kardashian out there, they're going to buy some. And I've done a lot of crochet in the past. I know that takes time. So there's, there have also been studies done on uh, say like medications and giving people an aspirin or pain reliever. And if you tell them, that an individual pill is worth in one case, 10 cents. And in the other case, it's worth $2 and 50 cents for the single pill. People will say that they had more pain relief from the more expensive pill. They're both placebos by the way. And the study they were doing was actually getting electric shocks. So it's like legit wow. pain <laughs> that you're right, dealing right. with here, uh, versus like, Oh yeah, my back hurts. Right. So when people were told that it was a more expensive pill, they felt more relief from the pain, even though it wasn't really doing anything. And this is where name brands and all that brand strategy Mm -hmm. really, really factors in to whether people want to buy from you or not. And one of the things that I see most entrepreneurs and just people in business in general, that they really get wrong when you're talking about pricing, especially because when it's you and you're selling you, it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I get it. I have to do the same thing. It's hard to overcome in our brains sometimes, but you end up, you're so hesitant. I like to say, it's like how dogs can smell fear, the confidence and lack of confidence, the person you're talking to can really feel it. And so if you say, Oh, well, you know, so it's $5,000. And I, I mean, I get if that feels like a lot because you know, you're just like justifying and you know, I, I used to do it at four. And so if you really need to, I can discount it, blah, 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 blah. Right. You can't stop yourself from the (laughs) avalanche of, of explanations as to why, or, you know, we had to raise our prices recently because this happened. And, but if, you know, if you can't afford it, I totally get it. We have payment plans not to buy. Exactly. (laughs) Whereas, right. Whereas if instead, you were to say, 
you know, I've got a couple of packages available. The most common one is $5,000. That's what most people pick. And this is what you get from that opportunity. And does that sound like something you want to move forward with? And then just wait, but you having that confidence saying most people do this, this is where herding species, this is why we like Yelp and stars on Amazon and things like that. And that helps us decide if something is worth doing. So saying a lot of people have been here, they're already paying this. Oh, and I only have two spots available this month. So if you want to grab one, now would be your time. You get a little scarcity in there and you're just going to jump on it. Yeah. So all this being said, there's never really a perfect price or like the right price necessarily. Correct. Nope. It's all uh, variable in many ways and you can pick what works. And that's um, what I recommend for people. If you have issues with the confidence piece, which like I said, is hard. It's hard. I get it. Uh, But one of the things I say is imagine if you woke up tomorrow and you had to sell whatever it is you sell, whether it's a service, a product, whatever, at 10 times, whatever you charge today. So the next call you get on that somebody wants something instead of, you know, a hundred dollars, it's a thousand dollars. How would you explain the value of that? How would you talk about it if that's what you have to do? So your $8 water bottle is now selling for $80. How can you get your mind wrapped around, this is what it is. And this is what we're doing now. And it's a great value. How can you explain that? And once you've done that at such a high price point, just even as a, an exercise that you're not actually selling it to anybody, then if you were wanting to say, raise your prices by 25%, uh, it's a lot easier to talk about because you've kind of thought about yourself sure. in this higher point. And so our brains also have you know, they have a hard time understanding the difference between thinking something through and actually doing it. And so you can really kind of hack your brain into seeing that additional value. Uh, if you do some practicing, I know that role-playing isn't everyone's favorite thing, but it's really worth it. It makes a big difference. You want to be able to say your price and what it is that you do as if you're talking about the time of day or the weather, you need to just be able to say, this is what it is. And then wait, you know, move along and, and keep going. I had in one of my, when my first real job, I worked at an airline in the call center. So, you know, that person that you would call and yell at where you've been on hold, that was me. (laughs) Uh, so in this process we had where it would be, you know, one flight was say, so if they want to go at eight 30, it's $75 to fly from Seattle to Spokane or something. Cause it's, you know, a less than an hour flight, quick little hop. And if they were to go at nine, it's like, $900 or something, but they pick the flight. They say they want to go at nine. It's not my job to determine if that's a reasonable price for them or what they care about. And so like they trained us in that point. And I also, it's not my job to say, you know, you could go a half hour earlier and save a bunch. Maybe you can't afford this. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Cause that's not for me to say they could be going on a business trip and they need to sit with somebody and they don't care, which is often the case. And so they train you to say, you know, this flight from Seattle to Spokane will be $2,652 and 75 cents. Would you like to go ahead and purchase that today? (laughs) And you just sit and smile and wait and wait. Yeah. And someone will say, 
yeah, sounds good. Here's my credit card. And others will go, whoa, to Spokane. Like I could drive there. Like I'd say, I'll drive you for $1,500. But then if they say, whoa, that's, that's a bit steep. Are there other options? And then you can say, oh, you know, if you go half an hour later, it's only a hundred bucks go. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Easy. I, I remember the first time that I said my full price and didn't discount, didn't explain and just said it. And they said, yes. And I remember in my head saying, don't make a face, don't make a face. <laughs> kind of like, just keep smiling. Just keep smiling. Don't act right. surprised. <laughs> okay. I'll get that contract drafted by. Yeah, but it was, it was a, just such a great feeling like, yeah. Okay. And yeah. And when you say it with confidence, more often than not, people are going to move forward. And just because somebody asks for a discount doesn't mean you have to offer one either. Sure. I know you've had Nikki Roush um, speak to your group mm-hmm. before. I absolutely adore her. And, uh, you know, she talks about in buying signals where, you know, discounts, people asking for a discount doesn't mean that they don't think there's value in what you have. It's just what some people do. Yeah. We and all that's have that okay. Friend. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we all have that friend that embarrasses you. You go somewhere and they're asking for extra fries or <laughs> have anything free desserts today or <laughs> right the person yeah and that uh you know you don't have to pay always pay full price at Nordstrom like apparently you can barter with them on some of the pricing I have heard really I would never do that but I bet there are people that do you know yeah yeah but you're right it doesn't mean you have to say yes right and more I have people ask for discounts often if you say you know for price integrity purposes mm-hmm. you know don't have that available and they say okay and go along, right. They just have to feel like they have to ask and that's totally fine. So don't feel bad about telling people that you don't do discounts if you don't, or feel like you have to, just because somebody asks again, having that confidence and saying, you know, so many people have bought it at this price. It's not something that I'm open to Mm -hmm. and knowing that you're okay. If that person does walk away again, that, that confidence in this isn't the last person that's going to want to buy from me. This isn't the last opportunity I will ever have to sell anything that just being okay with it. It it makes a big difference. And in some businesses, I suggest having a smaller price point that might be something that gives them the transformation so that they're ready for that larger ticket item so that they can kind of be learning and and getting ready to be able to purchase. At right. Price. Yeah. A loss leader can be very effective. You just want to make sure that whatever you create is tied into something and that you have a plan, you know, when yes. are you going to follow up with them? What's the big win they're going to get, you know, making sure that you're not giving a loss leader that has nothing to do with the bigger product sure. you sell or giving away too much. Yeah, I totally agree. Or solving the problem so that they don't need right. to then come. And I see a lot of freebies and opt-ins and I'm like, are you sure that's what you, you know, you want to give them that, that win because then they may not be continuing with you afterwards. Right. Don't give them, don't make it too big of a, of a win. Yeah. Speaking of discounting, what are the psychological effects of discounting continuously. I, I try to suggest to people to add a bonus or add something extra, but I think when times get tight or people get worried, it's like they just, uh, slash prices, sale, sale, sale. Uh, how does that? Yeah. You really end up building, you're removing loyalty from the people that are buying from you and you are getting 
kind of those bargain shoppers. So if they're only looking and, you know, if you think about, you know, I only buy this soda or this type of cake or these noodles or whatever, when they're on sale and I won't buy them otherwise. And it's because, you know, they're too expensive or whatever, but I'll buy the, the, you know, the store brand, but then if, Oh, if, you know, Barilla is on sale, I'll buy that. Right. Uh, so, but you only use the brand when it's not full price and you think about it as something you just get as a, like every so often. So if you're constantly discounting and there's always a sale, then for one, people will never buy full price. And it's not because your price isn't reasonable. It's because you have framed it in a way that there's no reason for them. They can be waiting for the next thing. I uh, get a daily email from the New York times that is just, you know, highlights of stories, little tidbits. I can get just enough news um, and don't have to do much more. And it's free. They have a free daily email you can sign up for. And I like to just peruse And if you want to read more about some of those, some of them are free, some of them are not. And they always will have, I get emails from them regularly that say for this week only, or just right now, it's going away that you can buy and have your full subscription for only $1 a week, which is super reasonable to have all access to the New York times for a dollar a week. I get that. But when every single week, they're telling me it's uh, just for now, it's only a dollar a week. Right. I have no idea how much it actually costs. And I know if I don't buy it right now, meh, they'll be, it'll be they'll on sale soon sale. enough if I need to buy it. And I think it's $4 a week full price, which is mm-hmm. where I've been like scouring to find it when I have yeah. this example. But again, I feel no incentive to buy because I get you know, enough of what I need for what I'm doing at that free version, but I would never buy it at $4 because they've made it to where it's constantly on sale. And I'm not motivated by the discount to go do anything because it's always a dollar. So it makes a, a difference in my mindset of what I'm willing to pay for. And it really devalues the content because I know They have amazing staff doing wonderful work and it's definitely worth a dollar of my, you know, a Mm -hmm. week. And as someone who writes for, uh, you know, a magazine and whatnot, I get it, but eh, it doesn't feel very motivating. And I always wonder if it's sending the message that, yes, I priced this thing at 597, but I really think it's worth 97. Yeah. Um, And that then it makes me wonder like, is it even really worth five ninety seven if you can give it away for ninety seven? Right. I <laughs> I also very much recommend not having such a big disparity yeah. between the value <laughs> and what you oh, sell gosh. it for. I saw something once, and it was like, and you get access to this, and you get that, and you get this, and you get that, and said it was something outrageous, like a ten thousand, twenty thousand dollar value, all yours for just fifty dollars or whatever. <laughs> and you're like. But the really, authenticity <laughs> ma- meter is just not, <laughs> yeah. not jiving on that yeah. one. <laughs> so even then, if it was, a, I, there's so much, you know, access to content and things that I could say, you know, I could sell this for this much and really you could mm-hmm. just add, 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 add it up to be some ridiculous number. But if it's to justify 
a so much lower price. It's just not worth it. So you don't need to showcase absolutely everything that's included, uh, because when our brains get overwhelmed too, it's really difficult to make a decision. That's, you know, really one of the other big things that people do is they give way, way, way too much information for people to make a choice. And you feel like you have to explain everything you do and every option and all the ways that you could do things versus just, Hey, I'm the expert. This is what I recommend for you based on other work that I've done. How does that sound? Yeah. It's much easier for people to make a choice when it's limited than when you're giving them, you know, 50 things to look at or even five. Yeah. And I always say, if you're, if your ideal client is overwhelmed and you're promising to help them with that overwhelm, then don't, don't overwhelm, overwhelm them. Yeah. Yeah. So if they get to the sales page and your sales page is overwhelming, then they're not going to buy because they're looking for a simple, easy solution. Right. Yes, absolutely. One of the things that I see a lot of women struggle with is that they pick their price. They're not confident with their price. And so they decide for people that they're not going to be able to afford it. Or they say, yeah. my audience can't afford that. And I always think of the people you see that, you know, you're friends with them and maybe you know kind of what their situation is. And they have these certain things that they just spend ridiculous amounts of money on because mm -hmm. that's what they love. And I, I try to encourage them, don't make that decision for them. Do you think that's just a self-sabotage behavior? Yes, it's, it's the lack of confidence in the own price, in your own pricing and so if you never open it up to where someone can actually pay the price and you don't give them the opportunity, you can still say that you're worth that, but they just weren't ready, right? It's kind yeah, of a- yeah. they can't a, afford it. Right, you're saving face and, and it helps you to feel like you're very generous. So there's a mm -hmm. win that you get in, well, I really helped them out, they needed it. And that's the only way they would have bought, but they wouldn't have even asked about a discount if you hadn't started- from sure. there or, you know, whatever that happens to be. I remember when I was first deciding some stuff for my new business, right. When I was launching the podcast, I was at a women's entrepreneur event. I was talking to some friends about, you know, I was looking at sharing content and was talking about, and I think it was something ridiculous. Like I was saying, I was going to do this for, you know, $19 a, a month or something, you know, 20 bucks a month to be sharing something. And that person said, you know, people just don't have the money to be able to be doing that. Like female entrepreneurs, they don't have that. It's going to be difficult for them, blah, blah, blah. It's like, hmm, okay, well I'll think on it. And then I went to this conference that is a bunch of female entrepreneurs all together. And the founder of this female networking conglomerate is up on the stage and talking about how she's going to open up for coaching people or whatever. And it was like, $80,000 for the year. And you see people running to the back of the room to sign up for this thing. And it was two, three weeks after I had <laughs> said, I was looking at this and someone's like, no, nobody would buy, pay $19 a month. Yeah, we're like yeah. 80 grand, that's a deal. And they're like sprinting, right, right. you know, to go do it. The same people. And it's very much, I actually talk about when I did the truth about pricing episode of the podcast, the next week was, uh, it's how to sell from the stage. And I was actually at that conference <laughs> like, <laughs> like taking notes, right? So there's a lot of things to be yeah, looking yeah. at here. Uh, so it, it definitely all really is about 
the, the confidence, the presence, the way sure. you're priming them, framing the message again, what we'll talk about in that presentation on the truth about pricing. Excellent. And you have generously offered to be in a coaching lounge. So any of you who come to the Lakeside Conference towards the end of the event, after you've been optimizing your offer uh, throughout the event, you'll have time. You can hop in Molina's room and ask her your actual question and get an answer in real time. And that was one of your ideas uh, for having those. So I appreciate it. I'm super excited about those. We usually have one-on-one sessions with the experts and just didn't think that that would work out in an online environment. So this is a perfect fit. So we're excited about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I totally love answering questions. It's one of my favorite things. So yeah. (laughs) And asking them. (laughs) Yeah. And pricing people will love that. Yeah. Any of you that want to hop in to get a bonus as well, uh, Melina's new upcoming book, What Your Customers Want But Can't Tell You, is coming out uh, early spring, correct? Right. And yes. so uh, there are 15 of her books that we're giving away to the first 15 registrants. And I think at the time of this recording, there's only two left. Ooh. So go out and grab those. Um, I'm excited to read that book. Do you want to tell us a little about the book? Sure. Thank you so much. So the book is how to be applying behavioral economics within your own business and really kind of walking this line between a mainstream book and a textbook. I set it up to be almost like a working reference guide and there will be a PDF accompanying with lots of extra stuff and you know things that go with it if you get the book. But it starts by really talking about what behavioral economics is, why it matters. Then we talk about a bunch of concepts. I picked about 20 And it really is, this is what framing is. This is how you can use it. Here's a way to apply it. Then you have this third section of the book that is looking at, you know, now if you're going to combine them all together and be using it, here are some ways that you could start doing this. I use the analogy of behavioral baking. And if you think about becoming a master baker, you want to open a cupcake shop or something, you need to understand how the ingredients work and how they mix together and what butter does, what sugar does but you can make all sorts of different stuff. Are you making cupcakes? Are you making pizza dough? Are you making biscuits? You need an idea and you need to know what the different ingredients do. And you probably start with some recipes and then you can start to uh, mix it up and add cinnamon or whatever, try things yourself. So this is the book is really helping you through that process. And then at the very end is called don't get stuck and talking about a lot of the biases and uh, those rules of thumb in our brain uh, that would be keeping people typically uh, to where, you know, you go to the conference, you read the book and you think, Mm -hmm. this is amazing. I'm going to apply it on Monday. I'm so excited. And then Monday comes and you totally get back into your old ways and forget everything you learned. So that section is to help that not happen. Excellent. (laughs) Yeah. I think a lot of books are missing that. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) for sure. All right. Well, other than at the conference, where can listeners find you? The brainybusiness.com is really the easiest way. You can find the podcast there. There'll be links for the book for those that uh, don't get one of those free copies. And we're also, you know, other information where I'm writing and I teach at Texas A&M, you know, it's all there at thebrainybusiness.com. And you can find me on all the socials as the brainy biz, B-I-Z. Okay, great. Well, it was an honor to have you on the show and I am so excited to see you at the conference. Thank you. I'm excited to be there as well. Thanks. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening and now go get back to work. 